Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. I've had a goal lately, uh, you know, I've been uh, thinking about it, and uh, uh, about, a, you know, two or three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, um, I set a goal for myself to, to lose some weight. Uh, anyone here ever done that before? You tried to, lo- you tried to put yourself on a diet? That's a, that's a four-letter word none of us really like, diet. It's kind of funny how diets always start on a Monday, right? It's kind of weird, right? Um, but me, I was like, you know what? Summer's almost over. I really should probably do something to work on my summer bod um, now that we're going into fall and winter. And uh, so I had a real serious conversation with myself and started to change some things. And along the way in this, this diet, this, uh, this journey I'm taking, this dream I have to, to be a little bit more fit, um, you know, there's helpful things along the way that help me in this journey. Uh, things like a wife that second guesses me when I go to pick up a Snickers bar, right? Those are good to have, which actually, I joke, I haven't done that. Um, But having accountability is a good thing. Uh, Having a plan is a good thing. Uh, Having some coaches. So I've got some people in my life that, that these are people that are helping me to pursue this dream that I have to, to become a little bit more healthy, to become a little more, a little more fit. Um, and these are fantastic things uh, to have along the way when it comes to achieving these goals or these dreams that you make for yourself. <clears throat> but along the way, there's also some things that hinder, hinder you achieving these goals. One of the worst hindrances I have when it comes to a diet is this right here. I think we've got a picture of it. Anybody have, anybody can get amen, say an amen on that? We don't do that at this church, but I mean, amen to pizza. Anybody like, I love pizza. Alberto's Pizza in Edgewater, they're fantastic. I love them. They're delicious. You should go visit them. Prima Pizza in New Smyrna Beach. I could give you about every good pizza place in Volusia County. If you needed it, I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> but I've been good on my diet for about, about two weeks, going on three weeks now. I've had some helpful things. And then this last week... Erica's birthday's coming up, and we have planned this trip out for since like January to go up to this little this little town uh, just north of us called New York City, and visit uh, visit a little town, walk around a little bit, and go to a show. Um, and wouldn't you know, they got these dang things on almost every corner in New Smyrna or in New York City, pizza places. And I went in with like, man, I got a plan. I'm going to stay strong. And I'll walk past the first one. I'm like, I ain't going in. I ain't doing it. And I did not walk past the second one because the second one, I was like, I'm going in. I'm doing it. And so I blew a diet right out of the water. It was, it was not a pretty picture. Uh, we had some pizza. We had some new, I keep saying New Smyrna Beach. We didn't have New Smyrna Beach bagels. We had New York bagels, which were delicious. Um, we had some food that we had never had before, which was delicious as well. We had a great experience. It was Erica's 36th birthday. Are you 36 now? 25th birthday. That's what I meant to say. Baby, 36 is the new 25. At least you're not 38 or 9, whatever I am. Um, 
so we had a good time, but I definitely, definitely cheated and had a bad time because there was this, this thing that hindered me from achieving my goals, from living out my dream. And today I want to challenge us to, to dig deep when it comes to the goals that we have physically, but also the goals that we have spiritually. I told you that, that when it comes to my life, I want to be a better pastor next year than I was this year. I think the same thing is true when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. I think it's the same thing that should happen when it comes to your relationship with your spouse or your significant other. I think that you should be better than what you were the year before. We should can all continue to grow. So as we pursue this, this adventure, as we set these goals, these spiritual goals, there's helpful things along the way, like reading our Bible, like having quiet time, like scheduling it and making it happen, like serving on a team and being a part of a, a circle group and having some accountability. These are good things. But there's also things that hinder us along the way. And my hope is that as we read this word, as we look into the story, that maybe we catch a glimpse of the things that can be helpful, specifically one tool, uh, and, and the things that can also hinder us. We're going to read out of the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 5 through 8. The book of Genesis is in the Old Testament. It's the first, very first book of the Bible. And uh, we're going to pick up here with a story of a man named Joseph. And it says, uh, one thing you need to know about Joseph, Joseph was the son of his father, Jesse. Jesse had many sons. Joseph was the youngest. Now, in families and culture of today, the youngest is typically the baby, right? Everyone loves the baby of the family. Um, but in those days, it was kind of reversed. The one that was the firstborn was the favored one, and everyone passed that. They would, they would have not really gotten anything for inheritance. They would have got really small. They would have kind of been the, 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 the runt, if you will, of the family. But that's not the case when it comes to Joseph. It says in the Bible specifically that Jesse, Joseph's father, loved him very much and showed him special attention. It says this in verse 5 of chapter 37. It says, one night, Joseph, he had a dream. He was a big dreamer. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We are out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stands up, and your bundles all gather around and bow down before mine. Now, this is a pretty gutsy move for a little brother to tell all his older brothers, right? He's, he's, he's signifying, he's like, hey, I think there's going to come a time in which you guys all bow down to me. Now, I am an older brother. I've got one younger, one younger sister, and I didn't have another younger brother. But I can tell you right now, if as an older brother, my uh, younger brother would have said something like this to me, probably a good chance we'd have gone fisticuffs or something, right? We'd be scrapping in the front yard or backyard or side yard or whatever yard we had. So he goes on and he says, his brother responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And it says they hated him all the more because of his dream and the way that he talked about them. So here Joseph has this dream of what he believes is to come, that one day he, he's going to be king or he's going to be, at some point his brothers are going to come to him and, and, and bow to him for something. And he tells him about it. Might not have been the smartest move, but it says that Joseph's brothers were incredibly unhappy with him. And so as Jesse, over the, uh, over the next however many weeks or months to come, as Jesse sent his sons out to go take care of the herds and the flocks, at some point he sends Joseph out to check on them. And we pick up here in verse, chapter 37, verse 18. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they, may, they made plans to kill him. It's pretty serious. 
It says in the Bible that rather than kill him, as they came, they captured him and they threw him in a cistern. And, and even as he was in the cistern, they saw these, these people going by making their way to Egypt. They were merchants. And so they had a great idea. They said, rather than just throwing our, old, our younger brother in a pit, why don't we make some money off of it? It says that they sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Now, in chapter 39, verse 1 through 3, it says that Joseph, uh, after being sold by the merchants, he was sold to a man uh, named Potiphar. It says this in uh, chapter uh, 39, verse 1 through 3. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Now, Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as, as he served the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. It says that Potiphar literally gave over the management of his home to Joseph. Now, for a second, I, I can't help but think that, that Joseph, understanding that, that he was beloved by his father so much, cannot be just a little, probably a little bit frustrated with his brothers selling him into slavery. He gets sold to this man Potiphar, but because the Lord is with him, he says that everything he touches is blessed, and Potiphar just put him in charge of his entire home. The only thing that he didn't have access to was Potiphar's wife. Wouldn't you know, something happens in which Potiphar's wife goes and lies about Joseph and says some things about him that were not true. And because of that, Potiphar has to throw him into prison. Now, now, now he's been taken from his home, taken from his father. He's been sold in, been thrown in a pit, been sold into slavery, and now from slavery he is put into prison. I can't help but think at some point Joseph's getting a little bit frustrated. At some point there's got to be something in him that says, like, why, God? Why is this, why is this happening to me? In chapter 39, verse 22, it says, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So even in spite of being sold into slavery, being thrown in prison, still the Lord is with Joseph and everything he touches is blessed. Finally, it comes to the point where Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has this dream and he needs someone to interpret it. And God's given Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And so they bring Joseph before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him the dream and he says, Pharaoh, here in a short time, the entire country is going to go through a famine. There's going to be a time where there's great harvest and there's going to be a time where there's no harvest. And so as Pharaoh was trying to find out how to manage this serious situation he's about ready to go into, he's searching for someone that can lead his country through this. He lands on this in verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 39. It says, when Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of this dream to you, clearly no one else has the intelligence or is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Here Joseph becomes the governor of the entire land of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And wouldn't you know, short time later, in the midst of the famine they're in, here comes Joseph's brothers. They don't know it's him, and they bow to him and ask him for help. His dream was realized. It was foretold. Here's the thing that I think is powerful about this, though, is I think if any of us today were in that same situation, along the way, along the path of being thrown into slavery and being put in prison and being accused of things that you, that, that, that you didn't do and being forgotten in prison, at some point we would have been frustrated and have given up. Because we live in a world now where it's, it's very much like, I want it now. If I want something, man, it's, I, I, I don't know how many times I've looked on Amazon. It's like, well, that's not on Amazon Prime. It's going to take three days to get here. I don't even need it. If it, if it can't get here in two days. And now they got this thing, well, Amazon Prime will send it to you the next day. That's just wild, dude. We're getting, we're getting crazy. They start doing the drone thing, and someone's, someone in Oak Hill is going to shoot one out of the air. I guarantee you it's going to happen. Watch out. Probably the barbecue guy back there in the back. But we want stuff right now. We don't want to wait. But I can't help but think that as Joseph is sitting there, if we were in Joseph's shoes, a lot of us would take that and think, why am I being punished? What am I being punished for? What did I do wrong? Some of us are even in that position right now when it comes to our relationship with our spouse. We're like, God, why, am I, why are you punishing me? Why does this feel like a pun? What's going on? What did we do wrong? What do we need to change? Some of you are in your job and you're like, dude, I'm just not happy with what I'm doing right now. I got to shift. Something's got, something's got to change. You keep looking at the Bank of America app and you keep seeing red and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, ready, for, I'm ready for something to happen. This is not it. And you feel like you're being, you're feeling, feel like you're being punished. But I want to tell you today that if you don't get anything else, I think some of the things that we view as punishment is not punishment as much as it is preparation for what's to come. Because I look at the story of Joseph and I realize that in it, although it was a tough situation that he was going through, the entire time he was learning, he was getting the characteristics and the tools that he needed that would prepare him for the job that he would go into. You don't think his, his years serving Potiphar, the head of the king's guard, at some point he heard from Potiphar how the Egyptians did government, how he, he understood how Pharaoh operated. I'm sure Potiphar would come home and vent about, man, I can't believe this decision made, and this is how this was done. He learned how to manage an Egyptian household. And not only that, he gets thrown into prison and here he is, he's managing the entire prison. When things are tough, when things are dark, when things do not look good and they are not comfortable, he is the one that is managing all of it to happen. I can't help but think that God was preparing him. He wasn't punishing him. He was preparing him and giving him the tools that he needed to get through what he was going to have to go through. For some of us, I, I think we need to change our mindset and understand that, that when it comes to the goals that we set, when it comes to the dreams that we have, just because we're not living in them right now does not mean that we're in punishment. 
It does not mean that's not what God wants for our life. It might just mean that God is preparing us for what's to come. I use this story all the time. I'm, I am a pastor uh, at a church in New Smyrna. I love my job as a pastor. But I'm also a property manager of a condominium. And that job's okay. If anybody's watching from Coronado Towers, I love my job as, pro- as property manager of Coronado Towers. Please don't take anything else from this message other than that. But as my church family, I want to tell you, like, it's a job. It works out. But you know what's happening during this job? Is I'm understanding how to take care of a multi-million dollar facility that no one taught me how to take care of when I was in Bible college. At no point in Bible college did they teach me about how plumbing works in a building. No one told me about uh, contracts you got to sign for internet or how you got to shop for insurance. And I'm, We need to pray for insurance companies right now. This is not part of the sermon. But if you guys are trying to get insurance, I'm praying for you too. My goodness. That's for another sermon. God's not punishing me. It's not one of these things where I'm in punishment right now, but I am in preparation for what's to come. I'm not saying God's putting us in a multi-million dollar facility or anything like that. I'm just saying these are tools I would have not had if I'd not gone through what God had put in front of me. Same thing I believe is happening to you. Preparation is a very valuable thing. While we were in New York, Eric and I were walking around everywhere. And uh, since I'd already had pizza and blew my diet out of the water, I was like, might as well just go bonkers, right? Uh, They had a place that had gourmet banana pudding. I'm going to tell you right now, if that doesn't make you say hallelujah, I don't know what else will. I I bet you if you put that banana pudding on top of your head, your tongue would beat your brains out trying to get to it. It was delicious. Fantastic. As we're sitting there eating banana pudding, by the way, Nutella and banana pudding, what is going on? That was, oh my gosh, I'm going to get saved again. Um, as Eric and I are sitting there banana, eating banana pudding, these guys hop out of a van on the sidewalk and drop four milk crates right on the sidewalk. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. This is kind of weird. Next thing you know, like three college kids come stand right next to the milk crates. Just stop. And next, next thing you know, a couple more come. And, a couple, and within five minutes, there's 40 people sitting in this imaginary line on the sidewalk in New Smyrna Beach, or New York City. It was like one of those things, was like, I don't know what this is, but I got to get in this line. Something's about ready to happen. It's going to be fun. Finally, these guys pull out this, this cart-looking thing and reel it, wheel it up on. And this, I started looking, figuring, trying to figure out what it was. It's uh, this little food cart. Uh, I think we got a picture of it. It's called Adele's Famous... Halal, which I had to Google what halal was because I had no idea what that I was like. Is this like a fancy hot dog? What's happening? Um, but this is like Middle Eastern food. And uh, that was that this little tiny cart was on the sidewalk. But check out this next picture. That's like half of the line. For it, it was like this big, and they hadn't even had the cart on the sidewalk yet. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I just had all this banana pudding. I can't have this now. So we told, me and Erica was like, I don't know what it is. We don't know what kind of food it is, but we're going to come back. And so we're like, the line's too crazy now. We'll come back at like 9, 10 o'clock. It's a city that never sleeps, right? We come back at 9, 10 o'clock, and it was like double the size. I looked up the hours. They open at 5 p.m., 
and they close at 4 a.m. And there's like always a line. It was just the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And because I was on a diet, no, nah, I, I sat in line for an hour and a half. It was the craziest thing. Me and Erica sat in line, and we sat there and waited. And we waited, and we waited, and we talked about life. And ultimately, we had a good time just sitting there. And at some point, we realized, like, like of all, there was the entire line, like an hour and a half worth, was all Middle Eastern people. We were, like, the only two white people. I was like, my goodness, this is not, this is, I'm, am I allowed to be? Like, I didn't know. I was like, I'm going to get to the front. I'm like, in New York City, like, half the people don't speak English. It was kind of crazy. It was awesome. It was a great experience. Anyways, halal food, it was great. It was the best halal food I'd ever had. It was the only halal food I ever had. But I'd go have it again. It was fantastic. They needed to put one of these in New Smyrna Beach. But then I'd blow my diet again. I'm back on the diet. Whole reason I'm showing you this. Hour and a half wait, and it was worth it. Joseph was sold into slavery at 17 years old. He didn't become governor of Egypt until he was 30. 13 years, over a decade of waiting. It wasn't punishment. It was preparation. And so I want to tell you the season that you're going through right now, what you're dealing with right now, I don't believe it's punishment. I believe it's preparation. When life gets tough and hard, don't look at it and say, I'm being punished. Because let me tell you this. When it comes to our God, when it comes to our Father, I don't think that's how he works. I think of Ben when he comes into the kitchen. He's six years old. If I had the stovetop on and it was rip-roaring red, and he comes in, what's the first thing you think that joker's going to do? He's going to try to grab a hold of it. He doesn't know what it is. Now, there's two ways that I could deal with that. Way number one is I could yell at him and tell him, what are you doing in here? Get out of here. Don't you know this thing could hurt you? Don't come in this kitchen ever again. I could, I could do that. With his sweet little tender heart, man, it would just break him. And that would be stuck with him for a long time. Or if I stopped and I said, son, let me tell you, this is dangerous. Don't go towards this. Let me, let me teach you along the way. As the, as the band comes up to get ready to worship again, I feel like you need to understand the God that we serve in heaven, he's a lot more tenderhearted like that, and he wants to help you with what you're going through. And the things in your life that, that are hindrances, I think one of the hindrances you've got to be careful of it's condemnation. I feel like sometimes we get this feeling in us that like because of what we've done or what we did, because of, of even what happened yesterday or this past week, the sin that we committed, the thing that separated, we feel like we're not worthy enough, we're not good enough to pursue him. But God doesn't, God doesn't work in condemnation. He, he might convict you, but conviction is about bringing you back to him. See, I, I believe condemnation is something that the enemy uses to push you away and create separation between you and God. But conviction is always the thing that is to draw you in to him. Jesus himself says this in John 3, chapter 16. John th sorry, John 3, 16 is one of the most recited Bible verses, known Bible verses in all the world. But the verse that comes next 
And verse 17 says this. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't, he didn't send Jesus to condemn us. If you feel anything, especially from this pulpit when I preach, that is a twinge, understand that in no way is it to push you away. I believe the Holy Spirit might have you feel something so that it will bring you back towards God, that it will heal the separation. I'm reminded in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, 86, verse 5, it says, Oh, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. I think there's two things you need to know this morning. The first one is this, is if you're going through something right now, adjust your mindset and think, is, this pos- is there a possibility that this, that this is just preparation? This is not God punishing me. Maybe this is just preparation for, for what's to come. And secondly, if, if at some point you feel something inside of you that's pain because of your past or what you've done, understand this. If it's something that's driving you away from God, if it's something that says, I can't go to church or I can't come to God in prayer, man, that is condemnation. That's not something that comes from God. But if you feel something, understand that it could be conviction and it could be God calling you to him. And he's quick to forgive. He's not, he's not like any dad you might have experienced. I don't know what your earthly father was, but he is the perfect heavenly father. And he doesn't want to yell at you and tell you what you did wrong. He doesn't want to chase you away. He doesn't want you to be, have this fearful resentment. Which, much like I, I love my son, Ben. He wants to see you grow up and be the fantastic man or woman that he know you can be, knows you can be. There might have been something along the way that he's trying to help you to get away from that's dangerous. There might have been something that you did that he's like, hey, let's, I, don't want, I don't want you to go to that anymore because it's, it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. It's not going to be the, the helpful coaching and the accountability that you need to get through life. It's going to be the pizza that's going to cause you to go off course. It's all right for us to feel conviction because conviction will bring us closer to him. So today, if you feel any type of conviction in your heart, if there's something that you feel like has been holding you back, this morning is your opportunity to find healing. James, brother Jesus says this. He says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so while we're singing this song, the band's going to sing here in a second. If there's something you need to confess, confess it. You can say it out loud to him. He'll hear you. But don't hold on to it. Don't let it be something that continues to allow for separation. Today, God wants to have your relationship with him be healed and be whole. He wants to see you succeed. He wants you to experience the great dreams that you have, the great plans he has for you in this adventure of life. Let me pray for us. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how you, how you correct us and help us along the way. God, I pray that, that when we feel that, that we would not feel the initial human physical thing to, to, to be offensed, to, be, to, to, be, to find offense, that we would see what it is that you just want us to be connected to you. I pray that in this morning as we sing these songs, as we pray this prayer, that you would come in, that you would make us whole, that you would heal us. I thank you for being the good father that forgives. And I thank you for what's to come. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, I want to challenge you to maybe pray a prayer that's similar like to this. When we sing the song, if you want to pray to yourself, you can. If you want to come find me, I'll be off to the side. But if you want to step into a relationship with him, maybe you've not stepped into it before. Maybe it's something you've stepped out of and you want to, you want to restart. Pray something like this. Jesus, I'm not perfect. You know who I am. You know what I've done. Today, I want to start a relationship with you. Show me how to live. Show me what to do. Have your way in me. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.